How's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? Yeah, what's going on? Welcome to Uncle Scotty's Storytelling Extravaganza. This will be our 38th Wednesday in a row recorder for the podcast. And I uh, appreciate all the support. Everybody's been coming in every Wednesday and all the people that I've met doing it. I'd like to thank Bar Nancy for having us, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a really cool thing. Uh, Breckenridge Whiskey is our sponsor. So drink Breckenridge, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's good for you, and it's cheaper than the other stuff tonight, so take advantage of that. And if you're hungry, please eat the cheese stands alone. Do yourself a favor. Sweet potato fries. Um, we got some storytellers that I haven't had yet this week. We had a few that uh, had to drop out last minute, and I was fortunate to get some, some, some new ones and some new perspectives. And uh, once again, I'd like to encourage you people, if you're with a friend and you're telling a story to, in the midst of the story, just be considerate, because some of these stories are really, really difficult to tell. Uh, uh, so give them your time. And uh, because of uh, a fire marshal thing that happened right now uh, out back, you can't get on the deck, and, but we can hang out during the little scotchy story breaks that we do in between the stories. But they have to be chaperoned by me, apparently, according to Ben. So I will chaperone you out in between the stories that we can discuss. And then as I consider... Uh, I'll thank you if you come back in with all of us and then uh, check out the next story if you'd like. So thanks for being here, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for being here for another storytelling extravaganza. We're going to bring up a new storyteller right now, Mr. Mike Valdez, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, everybody? How you feeling? All right. So my name is Mike Valjez. I'm an actor, I'm a singer-songwriter, I'm a stand-up comic, um, and I'm gonna share a couple of stories with you. Hopefully that's okay. Um, if it's not, you came to the wrong show. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm gonna start off with this story. Um, I've always had a fascination with space. Like ever since I was a kid, it's always been something I've been interested in. You know, they, they say that stars are just balls of fire that are floating in a landscape, exploding in the face of God. That's awesome. I love it. And, and in fact, when I was a kid, I, I wanted so badly to be an astronaut. Um, and and I, I remember at one point, uh, we, my class was going to space camp, and I was so excited about going to space camp that... I brought back the brochure to my house and my mom looked at me and just frowned a little bit and said, Mikey, I'm sorry, you can't go to space camp. You exceed the weight limit and essentially you're too fat to go to space camp. Now, that's a weird statement because of all the places where weight shouldn't matter. <laughs> it would be space. <laughs> um, and, and I remember that moment to this day. I, I ran into my room and I, and, I, and I had so much, I was crying and, and my mom was trying to apologize and Mikey, I'm so sorry, Mikey, I'm so sorry. But I was just like, no, I need my space right now because I've always had a fascination with space. Cut to ninth grade, right? I had this uh, crush on this girl, right? Her name was Katie. I probably shouldn't say her name. This is being recorded. Um, but her name was Katie Miller. Um, and um, <laughs> she's from Hialeah, Florida. 
and uh, her parents are Becky and Robert. Um, now, I had a real big crush on her, and uh, and, I, and I'll never forget this. I, we had one class together, which was Spanish for Spanish speakers. And I'll never forget it because it was almost like God was telling me, it doesn't matter if you speak another language, she's not going to talk to you. Um, and <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I loved it. Uh, but, but you know what? I, I, I still pulled through. And in fact, we had a drama club together. We were in all of the plays together. And I'll never forget this. We did a play together where we played boyfriend and girlfriend, and I was so excited about this, right? I was so excited, and uh, there was a moment in the play where we're supposed to be at a party, and I told a big joke. It got a big laugh, and then we kiss. It was like the ending of Indiana Jones or something. It was amazing, right? And I was so excited about it, and I remember that in, in the script, the thing that my character was supposed to do was he was supposed to talk with his mouth full and then say the joke, and then that was the ending of the scene, correct? So, we, so I decided, instead of just getting one chip from the bowl that was there, I'm going to take a handful of chips because that's way funnier, right? So I got a handful of chips, put them inside of my mouth, told the joke, it got a laugh, but never realizing that I would have to then chew and swallow fast enough to then talk to the girl that I had a crush on and then also kiss her at the end. So as I'm talking to her, Debris is just flying into her face. Debritos, if you will, are flying into her face, right? And she's just like, dear God, like just, just like Helen Hunt and Twister, like dear God, you know? And, <laughs> and, and I still had the God, dude. I still had the God to lean in and give her a kiss. And I still remember to this day, she pulled back, turned away and walked off stage and embarrassed me in front of an entire audience of people. And then when I went back there to apologize to her, she told me, you need to grow up. And I gave her her space because I've always been fascinated with space. So now cut to, uh, cut to senior year. I'm still in love with this girl, trying to impress her. And you know how it is, all the dudes in this room, you know how it is when you're trying to impress a girl, but you also don't have a brain yet. You know, like you're like, this will impress her. And then you kick someone in the balls. Like it makes no sense, you know? Uh, and I, I'll never forget this. We went to a choir competition, right? I had a solo in the choir competition uh, and I was singing Amazing Grace. It was amazing. And, uh, and, and so I... I remember when we were filing in to perform this in the, in the grand temple that we were going to perform this in, uh, I saw someone had dropped a pair of sunglasses. And I thought, I'm going to pick these sunglasses up because nothing is cooler than someone wearing sunglasses inside. So I picked up these sunglasses and I wore them, right? And we went in, we sang our songs, and as I was singing my solo for Amazing Grace, I could see my choir teacher just hating me because she was like, I can't believe that you would do this. She was so embarrassed. And I remember quite literally 
an hour after this, we got our scores back and we got a perfect score for what we had done. But my choir teacher was still upset at me. She told me, no, you don't understand, Mike. Read the comments. I read the comments and the comments said, the blind kid was phenomenal. (laughs) Everyone thought I was blind, right? (laughs) which is really ironic because I'm singing Amazing Grace. I'm singing was blind, but now I see. (laughs) Right? And so... (laughs) <laughs> it was it was an amazing moment and it got this it got this really big laugh. I almost felt like a hero to my choir, really, because they were just like, I can't believe that you did this, like you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'll never forget it because that right there was the moment where on our way back in our school bus, that was the moment where Katie wanted me to sit next to her on the bus. And I've never been to space camp, but I have had someone make me feel like I've gone over the moon. I've just always had a fascination with space. So that's the first story. Um, I hope I can tell you guys another one, if that's okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's really sweet. Um, I, so this is, the, this is the first time I've ever really done something like this. Uh, you guys have been so kind and, and loving. Uh, I'm, I'm being vulnerable, but also uh, laughing at, my, at these jokes that I have as well and laughing at my pain, if you will. Um, but uh, I, I want to tell you the story about the worst show that I've ever played. Um, is that okay to tell you that? So the worst show I've ever done was I auditioned to be on a variety show on television, okay? Now, this audition uh, was, had, had a live audience as a part of this audition. So it was in a theater. And so I remember I pulled up to the theater and I walked up to the lady who I, I signed all my non-disclosure agreements, I signed all my stuff, and then she said, hey, don't let the gong intimidate you. And I said, excuse me, what? And she said, don't let the gong intimidate you. So I walked in the theater, and sure as China is a country in Asia, there is a gong in the middle of this room, right? And it turns out what they were going to do, if someone, if they did not like the performances, they liquored up the entire audience and gave them signs that said, bang that gong. And then a guy dressed up as a ninja would come out and just, and just boo you off of the stage, right? Oh, I agree. It is awful. And so, this was a variety show of all kinds, okay? So there was comedians, singer-songwriters, bands, uh, drag queens, dancers, beatboxers, everything. Um, And I remember uh, that a lot of these bands were playing and things like that, and if there was music going on, a lot of things were, were, they were succeeding essentially because you couldn't hear the audience saying anything because there was music going on. Stand up was not going well. Talking was not going well because there was silence involved at certain points and they did not like silence, right? So it turns out 
all the comedians started playing a game because every comedian was getting gonged, right? And we were all, <laughs> and, and so we all played this game as if who can stay there the longest and whoever stays on stage the longest wins, right? And I want to let you guys know, I'm extremely proud of this. I was the person that stayed on stage the longest, uh, and I was on stage for 36 seconds. Now, um, <laughs> now here's the thing. This isn't the reason why that's the worst show I've ever played. <laughs> Um, that's actually a pretty normal show for a stand-up comedian. I don't know if you guys have ever, like, seen stand-up before, but, like, it's, it's kind of difficult uh, for a comedian sometimes. Uh, that's actually just a regular day at the office, to, to be honest. The reason why it was the weirdest show, or the worst show, is because of what happened right after. And what happened right after was there was a performer who was a drag queen. Now, this drag queen came out, to do their thing, and uh, I'd like to I'd like to describe their their outfit as best as I can. So it was a one piece, I guess, leather thing, right, with fishnet stockings, right, uh, and also everything was visible in that you can see their balls. Now, uh, <laughs> now this is a very important thing because. Uh, as they were performing, they were doing their thing, and uh, they were dancing, and everyone was, was having a great old time. And I remember at one point, uh, they decided uh, to grab a balloon and have me uh, be a part of it, like have some sort of audience participation. So they threw a balloon at me, and I had my head on my shoulders because I was just not really feeling this thing anymore, right? So... We missed, I, I missed the balloon, and they got kind of upset that I did that. So they were like, you know what? I'm going to brighten his day. And so what they decided to do was go right up to me towards the back just like this. And as if they were hiking a football, just tap their nuts right into my forehead. Now, uh, yes, uh, that is 100% that is true. And that right there is the reason why that is the worst show I have ever played. Because, yeah, I've played a lot of shows where people don't laugh. I've played a lot of shows where I don't get paid. But I've never played a show ever since where someone taps their nutsack onto my forehead. So... With that being said, uh, I hope you guys, actually, you know what? Let me, let me tell you this before I leave. I have something relatively important and, and sort of vulnerable to tell you, if I may. Um, I, last week, I was in a very severe car accident. I'm okay, because I'm here. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, I'm fine. Um, but it, it was very severe in that... Um, in that had it not happened the way that it did, I would have 100% died. And so I'm telling you this for one reason only, because I, I figured something out in that moment. And that, that is that we need to tell people how we feel about them right now. Because every single moment is fleeting. The only thing that is ever assured, the only moment in time that is completely assured is right now. 
okay? So if you have a feeling about somebody, if you have a friend that is going, is going through something, or even if they're not going through something, tell them how much you appreciate them. Tell them how much you love them and all that stuff because that is extremely, extremely important. Okay, so with that, I wanna let you guys know that I love all of you. I appreciate all of you. And it was such an honor to be a part of this show. My name is Mike Valdez. Thank you so much. Yeah, for Mike Valdez, ladies and gentlemen, coming strong on his first time over here. We're storyteller short tonight, and he uh, took up the slack very admirably. So I like to give him up for that, uh, for sure. So yeah, for Mike for his first story, ladies and gentlemen, that was awesome. The story, yeah, thank you, thank you. So we have a, another, uh, we have first time storyteller here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, she hasn't told the story before, and this is about a really important subject that's close to my heart as well, and close to the place that we live right now. So please give her your ears and your heart, ladies and gentlemen, Martha Valdez. Thank you. Oh my God, you got a perfect height. Perfect, thank you so much. <sighs> okay, well. <laughs> when I was presented with the idea of doing this storytelling show, I at first was skeptical. I said, yes, fine. It's out of my comfort zone. I don't do this. I'm not a stand-up, I'm not a comedian. I'm not an activist. I, this, you are literally the first crowd that I'm speaking to on stage. So I'm, thank you. Thank you so much. I, thank you, girl. Um, I have some notes with me and bear with me. I know I'm not supposed to read off of them, but the, what the story that I want to tell you is something that recently happened to me this week on Monday. And I know the story that I want to tell and I wrote down what I want to say. And I know that if I relied on my memory, my memory is shit. I'm not going to know. I'm not going to remember everything I want to say. So if I look down, I'm so sorry. I, I don't think that it's not that I know what I want. I know what I want to say to you, but I just don't want to forget the details. So I thought that when I said yes, that I would know exactly the story that I would say here. I had nothing planned. I normally rely on my usual topics, which is how... My parents came from Cuba and they started their own business and, and how they're living the dream now in a free country. Thank you. Patria y Vida. We can't forget about Hialeah. Hialeah is huge. I know. <laughs> um, or I would talk about how I started my own business, uh, Martha of Miami, which I'm not expecting any of you to know, really, but if you do know, thank you so much for being here. And I was given that opportunity because of them. And <laughs> this past weekend, if anything, it was a big eye-opener as to the sacrifice that not only my parents made, but I'm sure a lot of your parents and your aunts and your uncles and your grandparents made to come to this, to come to this country. I'm gonna go back a little bit. If you're not aware, 
of what's happening in Cuba, there has been a movement called the San Isidro Movement that started back in 2018 by a small group of courageous Cuban artists and activists and people who think alike that have started protests and interventions against the regime, against the dictatorship. And they've been imprisoned and murdered and just taken from the streets just, just for speaking their minds, something that we here take for granted. On July 11th of 2021, that movement finally gained traction throughout the entire island of Cuba. People were in the streets chanting, Libertad, Libertad. That is something that you don't see in Cuba. You don't hear about it in Cuba because the internet gets cut off. They just got internet. Imagine not having internet. Imagine not having social media. They have now had the freedom to post the videos of their people on their island being dragged for, for speaking their minds. Imagine not being able to ask for freedom without being dragged or arrested or murdered or beaten to death on the fucking streets. We can go outside right now and say, fuck Biden or fuck Trump or whoever the fuck, and nothing happens to us. So what happened? Why are the people of Cuba on the streets? Why are they there? Why are we now hearing about them? Why is hashtag SOS Cuba a thing? You know why? Because people are tired of fucking living in fear. People are tired of having freedom. They're tired of being murdered. They're not asking for help. They are demanding the help that we can give them. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so nervous. Thank you. Last Wednesday, I decided that I was going to go to the second round of protests in Washington, D.C. for the Cuban people. <clears throat> I purchased my tickets for myself and for two friends because I was nervous and I wanted to have a good group around me. I knew that my parents couldn't go with me. I knew that my sisters couldn't go with me. But when I went home and I told my parents that I was going to Washington, to march for Cuba, I could see the worry in my mom's eyes. She was terrified. She knows. They both know. But my mom approved. My dad, oh, his eyes, I've never seen his eyes open bigger than they, they, than they did. He has shook his head in approval into what I was going to do. And I knew that he was all for it. I knew, that, I knew that I was doing something right. Because the way that my dad... I've always looked for him for approval in everything that I've done. I left a family business to start my own business, something that I had secure in the pocket. I could literally have lived off of their family business for the rest of my life, but my dad gave me the freedom to start my own business, to be able to, to be a female entrepreneur. My dad came here to do that for me. And that wasn't even a thought in his ball sack. I was still living in there. He had no idea I would be here standing on this stage, marching in Washington for him, for my mom, for them. <laughs> it 
So when I told, when he approved that I was going, I couldn't tell him to his face because sharing emotions amongst each other in my family, it's, it's not that it's frowned upon, it's just it's not something that we do. And I am a very emotional person, if you haven't told by now. And I couldn't tell him to his face, but that march is for him and my mom. Not just for the movement, but for them, that my dad had to stand at the port during the Maria boat lifts and watch his wife and his nine-month-old child leave him behind because the government denied him to leave the country. And, I had to, and my mom had to do the same from the boat, look back and beg to my dad to not let her leave. My, da- my mom wanted to stay with my, with my nine-month-old sister. She wanted to stay, but my dad told her, no, you have to go. You have to go because there's nothing here for you. And so my mom went, and my mom was on that boat. And my mom can now, for to this day, cannot be on a boat because she gets sick. She throws up. She was throwing up that day. She tells me every time, whenever she tells me the story about her trip from Cuba to here, she was throwing her life up. While my sister was being held by my aunt, thank God that my mom has somebody there that she knew that could hold my baby's sister of nine months old while she threw up on the side of a boat. They gave her sardine juice. Sardine juice supposedly was supposed to help with the motion sickness. She threw up even more. She's like, this is fucking disgusting. What is this? My mom looked back at her island, not knowing if she was ever going to see her husband or her parents again. My parents got married. My mom was 19 years old. I'm 32. At 32, I cannot fathom right now picking up my shit, or not even my shit, the clothes on my back, and just saying, I'm going to go to another country because I can't take this shit no more. I don't know what's going to happen to my future. I'm leaving. Who does that? Nowadays, that sounds weird for us, right? But all of our parents did that. Or some of our parents. I'm sorry to assume that we're all Cuban. We're in Miami. Um, thank you. Um, I'm sorry. I feel like I lose track. And When I was younger, I couldn't grasp the fact. I couldn't understand what it meant that my parents left everything behind. I didn't know what that meant. I was too young. But when I got older, they told me their stories, and I read about stories, and I talked to my friends, and I found out about their parents' stories, and then I realized, fuck, this is common. This is happening to all of us. It's not just my family. I'm not the oddball. I don't have to be weird about it. Fulanito's mother came, and I don't know what, and her brother, and this and that. Or this person's fucking Elion fucking came on a fucking raft, and they got sent back. Hello? What the fuck? Who sends their child on a tire across the fucking Gulf or whatever the fuck, whatever that little water between Cuba and and fucking Key West is? Who does that? Somebody's desperate. Somebody desperate to to send their child to the land of opportunity, to, to be free. As I packed my luggage, I realized that the protest that I was going to, to be a part of, was July 26. And for those of you that don't know, July 26 is the day of the revolution. It's the day of the revolution. This is the Castro, this is where Castro began his movement to overthrow Batista and take over the island. It is considered a holiday 
for the communist regime. Now that I'm able to walk this under this movement, walk this march in Washington, D.C., this day means more to me than that fucking bullshit. I'm walking for my people. I'm marching for my people. Before my flight to Washington, I overheard an old Cuban lady say, Eso va a seguir igual. Nada va a cambiar. And for those of you who don't speak Spanish, she said, Nothing's going to change. It's going to stay the same. How could this woman feel this way? This is a woman who's the same age as my dad. My dad who just gave me the approval to fucking go to Washington and march down the streets for their freedom. This woman has just said to not even waste my time. How could she say that? Something that's so meaningful to me. Something that people have died on the streets of Cuba for going out and asking for freedom. How could she insult them like that? That's not fair. And I understand her. She's been fighting this for 62 years. Who am I to go up to her and tell her, Oye, vieja, what the fuck? I can't say that. She has fought that fight. She has been there. She's tired. But we're the new generation. I respect her. And I, now it's my turn. It's our turn to carry that fight on our back. She's given up. So the day comes. Monday, July 26, 2021. I walk up to the, to the White House. Full of fucking Cubans. I've never seen a place more full of Cubans in my life. <laughs> like, not even in La Carreta and fucking when the Miami Heat win. No, not even. And we're chatting. That's my hood. <laughs> oh, Versailles. You're right. You're right. <laughs> there were groups huddled at every corner. And when I mean every corner, every fucking corner, había un cubano gritando, talking about how his family left everything behind, or about how they had a family member that was still there, or about how they fucking came on a raft, or how about how they came through Mexico and went through the border and all that shit. Everybody has a story, and the one common denominator is that they were all looking for freedom. Here we are, standing in front of the White House with the freedom to be able to say, Queremos libertad. Patria y vida. Cuba libre. Vía Canel Singao. They spoke about the lives that they've lost. Those who were imprisoned wrongfully, in prisons for speaking their mind. Those who were murdered for speaking against the regime. There were people there speaking that had only been in the United States for four months and they were there chanting and crying and screaming. And I've been here all my fucking life and this guy who's been here for four months has more heart and has more courage than I do at this very moment. Because he knows. He knows what's happening on that island. I don't. 
I know from stories and from social media, as much as they will let you know, Cuba didn't get their internet until recently. And their internet is cut off daily. Oh, you guys are starting to post SOS Cuba? Cut the internet. You're posting videos of us going against you? Cut the internet. They don't have access to internet as we do. We don't, they can't share what's happening on the island. That's why recently we're finding out about what's happening on the island. People are like, oh, but why hasn't, why hasn't Cuba spoken up before? Why hasn't this been shown us before? Because Cuba didn't have fucking internet. Cuba didn't have a, 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 a social media line to, to send things to and videos to. They had WhatsApp and they'll send it to a few people, but... July 11, 2021, the whole world was paying attention. That is something that has never been paying attention to the island of Cuba in their life. <sighs> Sorry. So I was overwhelmed by the amount of Cubans that were there, as you can tell. But we were all there for the same reason. Here, in front of the White House, we can come together without fear. Here, we can speak without fear. And here, we can demand justice without fear. Freedom! 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 Is what I heard from the people screaming in front of the White House. People screaming it in their broken English. And we make, you know, sometimes we make fun of them for the way that they say it. But they were fucking screaming, freedom! Freedom! To the White House. Do you know what it's like? Have any of you had to scream at the White House for freedom? We can scream at the leader of the world and not be arrested, not be murdered. I read so many signs that said, fuck Biden. There was chants that said, Biden, asesino. And I didn't even say, I didn't even open that, I didn't open my mouth. I can't say that. I can't, I, I can't say that. Whether you're against or for or whatever. Eso es un tremendo falta de respeto to our president. Whether he does something or not. Music was playing throughout the White House not the White House, throughout the park. And I hope all of you can imagine what song was the one song that was playing throughout the whole thing. Patria y Vida by December Bueno, Gente de Zona y Otuel. Si Cuba, um, what, how does it go? ¿Por qué tú dices que si Cuba es de todo mi gente? I'm so overwhelmed with all the thoughts in my head right now. ¿Por qué tú dices que Cuba es de ustedes? Si Cuba es de toda mi gente. Is the one thing that I took from that. And that meant a lot. Does our president hear us? Can all of them hear us? Do they hear the pain and the voices of the people standing in front of the White House crying for their family that's still over there, for the people that they lost at sea, for the people that were murdered for speaking their minds? Does he hear that? 
Does any of them? There were, there were, there was, I remember seeing a sign of a person in front of me, of a missing person. People are missing in Cuba for speaking their mind. They get imprisoned just for saying, Padre y Vida, that's it. You're getting imprisoned and Lord knows when, you, when they'll see you again. I remember reading signs that said, Abajo la dictadura, which means down with the communism. Intervención en Cuba, intervention in Cuba. SOS Cuba, Patria y Vida, Cuba Libre. All these signs have a common fucking denominator. Free Cuba. What don't you understand? We need help. What are you waiting for? What else do we have to fucking say besides help? So our march towards the Cuban embassy began. And as we started our walk, I became nervous. What do I say? I've never been a part of a protest. I've never been a part of a march. I don't know what to chant. There's no fucking guidelines to be a part of this. I felt embarrassed that I didn't know what to say. Was I going to be loud enough? Was my voice going to be heard? I felt awkward at first and I feel ashamed to even say that because you would think that as soon as you go into a march and a protest with a bunch of people that are shouting the same fucking thing that you would know what to say. I was embarrassed. I was shy. What do I say? What if I say the wrong thing? What if they chant, they chant something and I, and I say the wrong fucking thing? I was, I was nervous. Did people know that I felt nervous? Could they tell? Is it, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Could they see that I, that I was scared to chant Padre y Vida, Cuba Libre, and fuck up the chant? Like, that's what I was scared of. I didn't want to be the fucking Martha of Miami, the, the person who represents the Cuban people, and fuck up the fucking chant in Washington for our people. I have the freedom to march down the fucking streets and say, Cuba Libre, Patria y Vida. And the people on my island don't. I have that freedom. And then I heard my first chant and I stayed quiet because I wanted to hear, I wanted to know what I had to say. And I heard, And everybody said, Abajo! I said, okay. The next chant was, Abajo, Comunismo! Abajo! It took me a few to get comfortable with that because I was so nervous and so shooken up that I didn't, I didn't want to fuck it up. And that we went through the tunnel. And in that tunnel, the people started chanting, Libertad, 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 Libertad. And the vibrations from the tunnel, Libertad, Libertad, were bouncing off my fucking body. Libertad, Libertad. 
And I could feel every fucking emotion from everybody walking through that tunnel. Libertad, libertad. And then we made it out through that tunnel. And I heard the next chant. <laughs> the next chant was. Already overwhelmed with emotions, I just started crying and crying. Si Cuba está en la calle, nosotros también. This is for the wrongfully imprisoned, demanding justice. This is for the people on the streets that have been murdered. The people who are chanting now for freedom. Si Cuba está en la calle, nosotros también. I marched for my people, for my brothers and sisters on the island. For my living family members, for my late relatives, for the people that have lost their lives fighting for this march, for this movement right now. Si Cuba está en la calle, nosotros también. Get it for Martha, ladies and gentlemen. Martha Valdez, ladies and gentlemen. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm a Juban. My, my dad came over when, when uh, Castro came into power when he was a kid. And uh, my mother's, I kind of did some research, and, and her, her family, her Jewish side of the family came over when uh, they were being oppressed by the Russians in their early 1900s. So I'm a child of oppression. So it makes me super proud to be able to give a platform to a story like that. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it, really hit home. Thanks a lot. As a child of oppression, I'm honored to have that story on my stage tonight. We got one more storyteller tonight. How you guys doing? Thanks a lot. To be honest, I was, I've been super tired. I had a long day. It's been a long week and this is like one of the first times I actually did not feel like coming here this week in the last 38 weeks. And uh, I regret that and I feel a lot better now hearing those stories, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you so much for coming and listening to these people. And thanks for my storytellers that came over here. I, re I really appreciate their braveness and come up and tell their stories. And uh, we got one more that I'm super excited for. Uh, I know he's got some friends here. And he's gonna be closing the night out. So give it up for our last storyteller, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Keeler! Hey! How's everybody doing this evening? Big ups for Fatina in the corner here. Fatina's trying to get fucked up. I hope you guys are having a lovely time. 
I would, uh, I'd like to dedicate this story to two people. The first one uh, is a gentleman who passed away today. It's Mr. Dusty Hill, the bass player from ZZ Top. Uh, I know that's some white shit to say, but that dude put a lot of soul in what I call the Texas Shuffle, so thank you, Dusty. Uh, on another hand, and you guys will understand why this is fucked up, this story goes out to my wife. Thank you for putting up with my bullshit. You can stop listening to the podcast now. So this is a story about internet dating. We got any internet daters here tonight? Woo, awesome. I do, I, I'd like to give a shout out to the guys who did uh, stories before me. Mike was awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to do a joke as sensitively as I can. I know that this isn't necessarily stand-up, but I've got an old-fashioned, I'm kind of drunk, and I'm having a good time. Who else thought Miami Martha was just a, a, a website much like, uh, I don't know, let's say uh, Yelp for cocaine? I thought that was just Yelp for cocaine. I don't know, maybe that's just me. Okay, the stand-up's done. This is a story about internet dating before all those internet dating sites were super cool, right? I met my wife on Plenty of Fish. We've got a weird backstory, that's not the point. But before Plenty of Fish, do you guys remember how you did internet dating? It was fucking Craigslist, right? Remember all those people who died from internet dating on Craigslist? Almost, so it was Memorial Day. We'll say it was 12, 13 years ago, it doesn't really matter. I'm gonna tell you about a young lady. We'll say her name is Jessica. It's totally Jessica. I put an ad on Craigslist, right? Really good looking fat dude, looking to hang out, eat a lot of fucking ice cream and watch horror movies over Memorial Day weekend. Right? You, you, I know you guys are looking at me and going, this guy can't get laid. I can get so much fucking pussy, it's disgusting. For real. Anyways, so I put this ad out and I get a bunch of responses, right? I get some very voluptuous women who I've been more than happy to service over the years. And then I get this really freaky response. I get this woman who's six foot tall, 140 pounds, and a professional dominatrix. Yeah, we're going there. We're going there. She replies, I love horror movies. I bet you do. I'd love for you to bring some Rocky Road ice cream in Transformers 2. That's not a horror movie, but I'm in, right? So I show up, we watch Transformers 2, and then I meet somebody. I meet a guy, we're gonna call him Georgie. His name was definitely Georgie. And Georgie lived in her closet. You know what he did in her closet? He slept there, because that's what he was allowed to do, motherfucker. Anyways. But he paid for that privilege and he paid the rent. More importantly, I was at a, a date at Georgie's house while he was told to sleep in the closet. It's fucking weird, okay? So we watched the movie. Things are kind of cool. I don't want to give up the ghost too much, right? We all know the rule, right? You don't fuck to the third date. But in South Florida, I got a blowjob, right? Date one, all right, cool. Date two, we kind of hang out. It's kind of fun, more movies. Georgie's a little weirder. It's probably because he watched me get a blowjob. I get it. Guys, if you've never made eye contact with another man while getting a blowjob, it's kind of weird, especially when he's not the one giving it to you. It's just a weird thing. Anyways, this story is about date three, right? But date three doesn't, it starts as a phone call, right? Hi, Mark, how are you? Oh, I'm having a nice day, how are you? I just, this funny thing happened and I thought maybe you'd like to make some money, right? Have you ever met a dominatrix who was like, how would you like to make some money, right? You're gonna get a flip-flop with a nail 
shoved in your ass. No, thank you. No, absolutely not. I want no part of this. And she goes, no, 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 it's not like that. It's not like that. Listen, I'm gonna give you $50. You show up with a 12 pack of beer. You sit on my couch. You drink the 12 pack of beer. Something will happen. I'll give you some money. We'll go to the bar. We'll have a great time. Cool. Awesome. I'm in, right? I'm an old punk, right? I listen to really shitty music. I love it. It's my thing. I drank Newcastle at the time. I'm sorry. I know. It's a sin. Nobody should drink Newcastle. Stop that shit. It's terrible. Anyways, I show up with a 12-pack of Newcastle. How many Flanagan's fans do we have in the house tonight? <laughs> Flanagan's, right? Falk, yeah. Right? Look, I moved to Orlando two years ago. You know what my wife and I made sure we brought? My wife is not this fucking woman, by the way. We brought 15 fucking Flanagan's cups because Flanagan's doesn't exist outside of South Florida, motherfuckers. You have it so goddamn good with those fucking rib rolls. Fuck you in your faces. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to do stand-up. It's just hard. Anyways, so I show up, 12-pack of Newcastle, and she goes, just hang out. I'm gonna make a gin and tonic in a Flanagan's cup. It was a gallon of gin and a, you guys remember the fucking grenades of ginger ale? One grenade of ginger ale and a handle of gin. And I'm just supposed to sit on the couch and drink Newcastle? What the fuck is gonna happen, right? So I get in, I get comfortable. Here we go, oh, this is nice. Shout out to Breckenridge, cheers. Anyways, so I'm sitting there, and there's a knock on the door, right? And I swear to God, this dude was like the, the, the Ryan Gosling of his time, right? He had like a fucking nice suit on. I don't know who the fuck is good looking now. I don't fucking know what I look like. Look, if it doesn't have tits, I don't know. Anyways, anyways, it's not important. Please, God, Kelly, if you're listening, shut this shit off right now. Anyways, so... I'm sitting on the couch, drinking Newcastle, door knocks, good looking motherfucker in a suit comes in, right? And this woman, I should describe her a little bit, right? You don't know who we're talking about here, right? Six foot tall, 140 pounds. She wore those, like those dominatrix boots that made her like eight feet tall. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? She wore those, she wore the, the schoolgirl skirt, right? She wore the fishnet, she had the little schoolgirl top, right? She was all sexy and shit. And she had the Miami Herald. What's she doing with the Miami Herald, right? So this dude knocks on the door. She opens it. She grabs him by the tie, right? As you would expect out of a dominatrix. Pulls him into the house, slams the door shut, and says, where's the money? And he goes, right here in my pocket. And she goes, good. Let me see it. Put it back in your pocket. Put it on the kitchen table. He's going to watch, make sure nobody fucks with your money. Right? Cool. Oh, that's what I'm here for? No, 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 that's not what you're here for. No, the, money's, the money doesn't matter. Look, that's the point of this, right? So what ends up happening is this very attractive gentleman ends up taking off his shirt, his jacket, his tie, putting those on the table with his money where it's secure. And then he gets that copy of the Miami Herald and he lays it on her tile floor, right? He's just laying it out one section at a time. There's the, the sports section. There's the business section international news and she tells him she looks him dead in the eyes and she goes lay the fuck on the floor motherfucker and he goes like a good boy yes ma'am right and he lays down and mind you 
this is probably the part where I should tell you how much she's been drinking. She's had four Flanagan's gin and tonics at this point, right? That's right, yeah, that's right. And she stands over this dude a little, hold on, let me see if my weight will hold this, uh, or this will hold my weight. She stands over this dude and squats a little bit. She's already six foot fucking tall without the goddamn boots, squatting over this motherfucker, and just decides, well, she didn't decide. This is what he's paying her for. She just pees on him. So you know what I'm doing, right? I told you guys what I'm doing. I'm hanging out drinking fucking Newcastle. Woo! Fuck you, Newcastle. Make better beer. Anyways, I'm sitting there drinking my Newcastle, and like any good punk, I finish it. And I look at her and I go, hey, what the fuck do I do? And she goes, I don't know, get another beer. So I get up. I go, oh, fuck. All right, we're good. I get a beer. And then I go, all right, fuck. Okay. I sit back down. Uh, Hold on, let me. uh. I've been on this couch before. I know all the good getting your dick sucked positions on this couch. Right? So I'm kind of laying out. Just seeing where this shit goes. And she's still peeing. I finished three beers. Three beers. And there's, she's just drinking gin and tonics out of a giant Flanagan's cup. And peeing on this dude's face. Anyways, eventually she finishes. It's hard to tell. Let's say I drank a beer in five minutes. So 15 minutes later, I don't know. Whatever works for you. Um, she flops her hand out of her skirt, pulls herself closed, and says, the most important thing, right? I'm going to go to the bathroom and wipe up. Thank God. I'll tell you what, the best thing about COVID is that we've got the cleanest hands we've ever had. Am I wrong? No, I'm not. This isn't stand-up. Stop doing jokes. Anyways, thank you, right? So she goes to the bathroom, right, and leaves him some instructions. Now, you pick up that fucking newspaper, and you sit there like a good boy, right? And he doesn't say anything. He just nods. And he starts picking up all of the Miami Herald that's covered in her piss that's been on his face. Yeah, that's great. So what do you do? Three, four Newcastles in? You look at them, and you say, hey, man, that's cool. That's what gets you off, huh? Yeah. At what part of that did you agree to pay 50 bucks? So a fat guy could drink Newcastle and watch that. And he goes, how dare you? How dare I what? How dare you? No, is my money not good enough? No, it's, it's good, dude. I'm just curious. I got questions. How do you not have questions? Right? And he goes, well, fuck you. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Would you like a Newcastle? And he goes, no. If my money's not good enough for you, I'm leaving. So what do you think a six-foot-plus tall dominatrix who's cleaning her pussy after pissing on a guy for at least 15 minutes does? She kicks the bathroom door off its hinges, grabs this really good-looking fucking dude by the fucking head, and throws him into the streets of Fort Lauderdale and says, go fuck yourself, takes all the money out of his pockets, and throws his shit at him and says, if you don't leave now, I'm going to call the cops and tell them you tried to rape me. Right? dangerous and she's got the balls to look at me and go the fuck is your problem i didn't tell you to talk to him (laughs) curiosity killed the motherfucking cat dude don't fuck with that shit anyways 
So she throws them out. We've got $400 from this guy's pocket, right? And she goes, you know, it'd be cool. Why don't we go down the street to the bar and get fucking drunk? Yeah, who's not in for getting drunk after that? I'm in for getting drunk after that. Anyways, so we go to the bar and she decides she's gonna be super generous. Hey guys, this first round, the whole bar, I'm not doing this right now. The whole bar gets a drink on me, right? And the fucking bar's, woo, we're having a great time, woo, right? She does that like five times. And then she looks at me and goes, hey, can you cover this? And I went, at what fucking point am I supposed to cover this? And she goes, well, Georgie's at home with the money. And I was like, you need to call fucking Georgie. I don't have fucking money for buying the whole bar around, let alone the five you just bought. And she goes, okay, I got an idea. Casually walk out as though nothing's happening. And I'll tell him I forgot my wallet. You ever met a bar owner who's cool with that? No! Fucking never! Those dudes want to get paid, man. That's why they're staying up putting up with your ass. Hey, big round of applause for the wait staff here tonight. They're doing a killer job. Thank you so much. Hell yeah. Thank you, ladies. We really appreciate it. Because I, I wouldn't have the balls to tell this story sober. Anyways. Um, right? So what happens? I'm standing out on the corner like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen? And I see a six-foot-tall dominatrix shoot out of a bar as though she's a cannonball and go, we've got to go. I told him you tried to rape me. And I went, what? You told him I tried to rape you? Yeah, you should leave. Why should I? I didn't try to do anything. Why is your default setting he tried to rape me? I don't know, man, but that's what I told him. You should go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know what I did? I fucking left. She still has my copy of fucking Transformers 2. I want it back out of spite, but at the same time, the last time I heard from her, the phone call started like this. <clears throat> the following call is coming from Broward County Correctional Facility, and the charges would be like to... Would you like to accept the following charges? And I went, no, fuck you, bitch. I'm out of here. Um, that was the last time I heard from her. It's, look, it's not personal, but what, am I, what do you do after that? So the reason I dedicated this wife, this wife, this story to my wife is simple. Um, she and I did this thing where we kissed what we like to refer to as a lot of shitty frogs to find the right prince. I mean, I can say that. I don't give a fuck. She's got tits. Who cares? Um, <laughs> But in all honesty, that's kind of crazy and fucked up. So do yourself a favor. Find somebody you're into. Be cool with them. Tell them the shit the way it is. Let them hear this story. Have a good fucking time with it and go, hey, babe, I love you. I know I kiss a lot of fucking shitty frogs. You don't want to hear the story. Let me tell it to people who will laugh at it. I love your mother. Thanks, buddy. That dude's also name is Kelly. It's not weird. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I know you're looking at me like you just told that dude you love him. It's weird. It's cool. He, he and my wife have the same name. Woo, woo! There you go. Hey, if you're in love with somebody, tell them. If you're not in love with somebody, just let them know, right? We learned earlier, right? Whether you're fighting for freedom for Cuba or you're just trying to get some fucking peace in outer space, man. Be yourself. Have some fun. Tell the people you love them. And don't fucking put up with bullshit. And certainly, under no situation when a woman tells you, I told them I, you raped me, don't stick the fuck around. Just get the fuck out of there, bro. You didn't do anything wrong. Anyways. My name is Mark. I really appreciate you guys listening to my dirty ass story. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. Give her Mark the funny motherfucking frog, ladies and gentlemen. This is what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. You don't know what you're gonna get. I know I need to get that shirt now too. 
We're giving it for Mark again, goddammit. Got something else to say? I see that. I really don't want to be this guy. I need that Cheever energy all the time. Oh, see? dude, it's, you don't want this. It's terrible. It's, 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 it's literally, spoonfuls. it only comes out after like 1030. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Uncle Scotchy. Thank you. Mark Cheever, ladies and gentlemen. Seriously, you know what you're going to get here, ladies and gentlemen. And that was just a whole shitload of awesome, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Mark again. Make it up. Martha, thank you so much for your story. And Mike's gone, but uh, hopefully you'll hear this uh, from the podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, keep coming back. Check out the podcast when you get a chance. If you're blue or whatever, just listen to that shit when you're driving in your car on the, on the podcast, and you'll feel better, I promise you. Uh, if you know anybody who wants to ever tell a story, hit me up. Um, hit me up on IG at Uncle Scotchy. If you have a friend that wants to. Um, I welcome all walks, of, all walks of life, all stories. Uh, you can tell whatever you want about anything. Nothing is censored here. This is uh, a place that nothing is censored, and I'm proud of it. And as long as you're true, as long as it's about you. So thanks to everybody for another nice night. Thanks for my friends that came out. Thanks, Flex.